This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Um, the FIU kicker is Miami's kicker now. The one, <laughs> the one who throat slashed them. <laughs> I mean... It's unreal. Jose Borregales has that swag. Um, yeah. And his younger brother, Andres, is committed to Miami in this current recruiting class. And he's he actually just transferred to a different high school so he can enroll in January, uh, the younger oh, brother. Um, nice. And he has the same swag. And, like, their mom, who I also follow on Twitter, has that same swag. I mean, they're really? just... Oh, my God. Yes. Welcome to an ACC podcast. Um, considering the fact that Miami is back, um, judging by their big win last night over UAB, I'm not even saying that sarcastically, by the way. I'm not. Um, <laughs> I am joined by Cam Underwood from State of the U, who's been on before, and we'd love to have him. And I figured, you know what? And this is going to sound mean, Cam, but I, I figured we could have you on either way because you know <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah and it's it's better circuit i believe the last time we had you on was after fiu was that right so it might have been i'm glad to get you under better circumstances well thank you <laughs> i know i think we maybe had you on once after that but anyway either way yeah i, I figured it was either going to be funny or hey you could illuminate us a little bit and tell us you know i've been a little hesitant with miami i'm sure i'm not the only one Mm -hmm. um there's plenty to like of course um but you know it's one of those teams and florida state's another in my opinion where like if they have some talent on that roster it's one of those teams that they're gonna get hyped up a touch more they've earned that Mm -hmm. Um, you know, with their history, but it's gotten to the point the last decade or so, at least that you're like, okay, I'm going to need some proof, (laughs) Um, but I don't know, man, dear King, you know, Rhett Lasley, like the offense could be the real deal. I don't know. I'm a little has, what what are you thinking after last night? You know, um, well, first of all, it's good to be back. Uh, (laughs) that kind of. Extended intro, but I appreciate it. Um, yes, sorry, I'm just rambling on. No, 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 it's all good. It's all I mean, because we were talking before we started hit the record button. So, you know, hey, it's a, uh, you know, <laughs> we're just letting the people in on our conversation, really. But, you know, I feel there's there are things to like from the offense, for sure. Um, you know, and that's a step in the right direction. You know, I wrote that, uh, you know, I tweeted the game, you know, during the game. I wrote it uh, in my <clears throat> good, bad, and ugly team grades and recap. Um, that, you know, there are signs of life from the offense. And those are obviously much needed from the program standpoint, just because the offense has not been there for Miami. And Miami's had a championship caliber defense where you talk about a top 10, 15 defense over the course of the five years that Manny Diaz has been here. But when you didn't have any kind of offense, that was kind of, you know, hindering the process. There are obviously as well things that can improve with the offense. So it's not... A hundred percent, just like, 
we didn't go from the offense that you saw last year, which ranked in the hundreds for Miami, to last year's LSU offense, which was one of the best ever right. in the history of college. Like, we didn't get there, you know. No, no, no. <clears throat> but we're taking but steps the, along the path to, to being yeah. better. Yeah. You know, and like there's, you know, offensive line, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. there's still some things that need to get better there. But you have Derek King, who's a magician back there. You got a free runner at him a couple few times. Normally, or in the past, that's a sack. Brad right. Kaya, Jaron Williams, even to Kosey Perry. Those are just sacks. You saw one, that should have been the nine-yard sack as I went back and I counted the yardage. He half spins to his right. He kind of climbs the pocket, half spins back to the left, and all of a sudden, he's running for 25 positive yards on that play. Derek King, that is. You know, he had 82 yards rushing. And a lot of that, it's just emblematic of the fact that, and Lashley talked about it, and Manny Diaz talked about it. There are two plays every time that we snap the ball. There's the play that we call, and there's the play that Derek King can make happen. And we saw many a time last night that he made things happen out of nothing or less. So that's yeah, I good. Mean, and there's the a vertical lot. passing game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, we need to work on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah, I was going to touch on that in the O-line too. I mean, look, they're not the only ACC team with O-line concerns no. being, you know, the thing that could hold them back. But, you know, it helps having a quarterback that can run away and run for positive yardage for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you just, again, you get out of a, a, a zero situation, a no gain situation or a sack, a negative situation into a positive play. You know, and that obviously helps the offensive line a little bit. I know that people are probably going to be, you know, a little taken aback by the fact that I put the offensive line in the ugly part of my good, bad, and ugly recap because we ran for 337 yards, you know? So you're like, wait, but there's that. But you pass for 144 on like nine yards uh, uh, passing uh, attempt, you know, which isn't great, you know, and you don't hit really anything vertical. Um, Like we came out. The first play, and I, I kind of had to do a triple take. I said, wait, 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 wait. Did we just go three by one, four wide, and run four verticals and throw the ball 40 yards down the field on the first snap of the game? We sure did. Okay. That's wild. Look, I mean, from where we were, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but we, you know, we threw vertical a lot, but we didn't really have success with that. So, you know, you got to get a little bit better there. Um, it took until – the middle end of the third quarter for Brevin Jordan, the best tight end in America to get a target during the game. So we're like, wow. okay, but I mean, yeah, exactly. And we're just like, you know, people are like, you know, tweeting me, Cam is Brevin Jordan playing. Yeah. I see him out there. I see 85. I see Will Mallory. I see number nine for Brevin Jordan. I don't know why they're not getting the ball. You know, we're talking about this quick passing game. Eh, okay. You know, but these like little inside shovel screens or uh, swing screens and things on third and 10, don't really love it. Um, you know, Derek King ran for 82 yards and we called a couple of quarterback sweeps and a quarterback draw for him, but he did not keep the ball one time on a zone read. But there's acres of space for him to keep the ball and run. And for Derek King to do that, not even when we're talking about, you know, some sedentary quarterback who doesn't have running ability. And I know people are like, well, you know, you don't want to show everything in the opener. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, there's also yardage. You know what I mean? Like, you're not, it's not showing something new to run with the second option off of that because you then run the third option off of that. Actually, no, he did keep the ball one time because I was going to say is a goal line situation. We run inside zone RPO. Derek King keeps the ball, runs to his right. The cornerback leaves the wide receiver 
wide open in the end zone and De'Aaron King misses the throw. So you've already given the third option off of there where he keeps the ball and then throws it. So you've already mm-hmm. seen one and two and three. You're not showing anything different by then keeping it. It's not like there was, you know, you didn't run that action. That action was run. So then why would you not just maybe keep it? And I get, hey, maybe it's a mandate from the coaches. All right, don't run. You know, we don't want you to get hurt. But like, uh, bro, like, you know, he ran plenty. So it was just kind of vexing for me that he didn't run uh, in that kind of a way. But, you know, again, positive steps and every even a small step is a step in the right direction. You know, these are mantras from, you know, me trying to work out and lose weight um, and things like that. But, you know, yeah, so a small step is still a step, but there are still miles to go. Yeah, I mean, I was struck by the stat that like it was the most yards they'd had even like than last even like more than last season on the ground. I mean, I knew that they had their struggles, but like, you know, and I think the most they had last year was against Bethune Cookman. Yeah. So, like, you know, I mean, yes, it's UAB, but I mean, UAB is still a D1 team and that matters and we don't know yet, but it's still a positive sign. And I mean... You know, being and him being able to run, I think, potentially opens up a lot in the past game, too. So that'll be that'll be good for them. Right. But there there goes that word again for Miami, especially in terms of offense. Yeah. Potential. You know, yeah, and, I know. I know. You're right. And we've had plenty of it and we still have plenty of it. But again, it needs to start going from potential to performance and actual demonstrated production. And look, I know it's only one game. It is a positive. We did beat, you know, a very game UAB team by, you know, three scores, you know, a team who's one of the better mid-majors in the country. You know, obviously they have, you know, you know, 18 returning starters and five guys who could potentially be NFL players uh, either in this draft or the next draft. Like that was a, a decent team. And I got people were getting mad at me or solid because I said they were a solid team. I'm like, I didn't say that they were you know, the 2001 Miami Hurricanes just said that they were a solid college football team, which I believe that they were, but you know, there are things to build on. Um, but yeah, that potential word kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah. And look a big picture wise too, for Miami. I mean, let's, let's be real. This season's going to be, I mean, weird is putting it mildly. Right. So like what you want to see, I think if you're any team is almost any team, except for a team that could compete for a national title. I, that's not Miami to me. I'm sure to you too. But what you want to see, especially after, you know, the ups and downs of Manny Diaz's first year is progress. And, you know, you, you want to see something to feel good about if you're a fan. Um, and that's, that's what I saw the potential for, if nothing else. Um, and that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, you're right. You know, I mean, because well, like, that's the thing. What are you going to do? You're not going to win the national title this year. I think we all like, n- there's not that many teams that will. I don't, who knows if they'll even be one? I don't know that yet. But (laughs) (laughs) so like you just, you know, I was doing a season preview and I was sort of organizing the teams into tiers. And I was like, you know, I mean, even some of the bottom tier teams, it's like, you know, you just want to show that you're making some progress. If you're one of these coaches that you're not going to get fired, almost certainly, but you want to show that you're moving in the right direction. Um, And that's a good sign that 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 could potentially be happening in Miami and they could probably have a fun season. Um, Oh, I should see. I went from throwing shade at Miami literally 24 hours ago to this. Mm. I'm doing it to myself. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I mean, look, everybody loves to hate Miami, so I get it. You know, See, for me, shade. the thing is, for me, it's not even that. I, I they burned me so many times. <laughs> well, you tell me. No, I mean, yeah, you know, it was, we were talking about this before we started recording, like preaching yeah. to the choir. Like, I mean, yo, like I'm a Miami <laughs> alum. I've been blogging about Miami for like 11 years now. Like, I mean. Yes, I, I just not even once bitten and twice shy. Like I've been bitten a bunch of times by Miami, especially in these last couple of years. But you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I, and I do like Manny Diaz, and I still think it was a good hire, and I certainly love the OC hire as of right now. It's a big improvement that you can already see. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll 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 see. But so far. It's definitely promising. Um, since it is technically week one, Miami kicked us off. Um, by the way, I, I do have to say this before we move past Miami. I, I still, one of my favorite things about this season remains the fact that um, the FIU kicker is Miami's kicker now. The one, <laughs> the one who throat slashed them. <laughs> I mean. It's unreal. Jose Borregales has that swag. Um, yeah. And his younger brother, Andres, is committed to Miami in this current recruiting class. And he's he actually just transferred to a different high school so he can enroll in January, uh, the younger huh. brother. Uh, nice. And he has the same swag. And, like, their mom, who I also follow on Twitter, has that same swag. I mean, they're really? just, oh, my God, yes. Like, if you, if you tweet about Miami's kicking situation... It will be not too long until like literally, well, okay. So Jose, the one who's at Miami cannot really go back and forth, but Andres, the younger one, he'll say it even after the first extra point when everybody was like kind of exhaling and everything he got on Twitter, he was like, yo, like we got this, like there's nothing to worry about. Boom. We're good. And if you tweet just something randomly, like their mother searches tweets for Miami kicking, like the hashtags, like all those things. And she will hop in there and she will go <laughs> so hard for She's like, you know, like, I mean, that I, I get where you might say that before, but like, you never had one of my sons kicking. So don't even come at me about, I'm just like, and she, oh, like, she goes great. hard. I love it. I love it. And obviously, you know, having a kicker going five for five on kicks, torture points in the field goal, especially after what we saw last year from, yeah. um, from a uh, Miami's kicking situation is a vast upgrade as well. The uh, the wonderfully named Bubba Baxa, yes, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> name to say, unfortunately, uh, the production did not live up to such uh, no. such heights. It didn't, and that it, that broke my heart because nothing makes me happier than like great names in college football. There was Miami had one last night that I was like, that's just such a good name, Wayman uh, Steed. I saw it when he quoted that one. Yes, yes, that's the one. Oh, what a great name! It's like you know you're destined for something like football or just like to be like an executive, yeah. maybe both. I mean, like, hey, you could start as one and go to the other. We still have a yes. couple golden as well, and then. Uh, the underrated thing, and I, I mean, I don't know if I wrote about it. I, sh- I was going to write a, tw- a trade machine column, you know, because it was just like a thing that I bandied about with other you know bloggers before about like, hey, you know, like for your team, if you could trade anybody anywhere for anybody else, like what would it look like? Da-da-da-da. Miami actually ended up trading Bubba Baxa to Houston because he's from the Houston area for Derek King and Jared Williams. Because we have two players from Houston now playing here, and our former kicker now goes there. And I'm like, that's a big win for us. But hey. Well, well, if if that were a real trade, it might have been vetoed by a commissioner because that that would be a fleecing. Oh, yeah. I mean, Um, that's the one where Madden goes, no, uh, wait, wait. And you have to go through and say, you know, four trades or whatever it is you do. Yeah, there's no way that one goes through. No, no. 
But yeah, that, that by the way, that's an intriguing bit of content that I would love to read if y'all um, SB Nation bloggers got together and um, did some trades. Because Lord knows there's definitely some teams that could like, can we can we loan out some of Georgia Tech's secondary to some other teams? That'd be great. Yeah, I mean, you know? yeah, um, we could use a cornerback. You know, I'm sure that they could use something and we got, you know, plenty of or, you know, somewhere else. But yeah, I think I wrote about one of them or one of them a while ago and I was going to uh, bring that back. Uh, but yeah, I'll sure, uh, you know, maybe uh, for next season, look into to see what we can do for that. All right. Well, we'll get into week one a little bit, too. I'm not going to we're not going to go too in depth because Lord knows uh, it's not the best slate. Um no, Let's not. just put it that way. It's not uh, Syracuse at Carolina from a local point of view will be the game I'll be watching, certainly. And I think Carolina is like a 20 something point favorite, which I was like, Ooh. you know, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I know Syracuse is is potentially not going to be all that good, but I don't know that I'm thinking 20 some points. That's that seems like a lot. Um, it's not, you know, I, uh, I don't know. Um, and, but it'll be interesting because I think it is a pretty decent early test for Carolina in terms of like, okay, what are you going to look like? Like, are you going to struggle with a team like Syracuse that you shouldn't, or are you going to put them away? Um, and it'll, it'll definitely be interesting because Carolina for me, not quite like Miami or some other teams, but they have some questions on their O-line as well. They lost some guys and, you know, they're real high on their defense. They've been high on their defense all off season. And that'll be something I'm curious to see as well. But obviously they return a ton on offense and Sam Howell, you know, probably second best quarterback in the league. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they look. And I still though, you know what, maybe this is my Dino Babers um, fandom, my personal you know, but like, I just, I'm not saying they're going to be good. I just don't think that they're going to be a tire fire on offense like they were last year. <clears throat> Excuse me. I hope not uh, for him because obviously like he's an offensive coach and that's the thing that kind of has buoyed his career. Um, but as I'm looking right now, North Carolina is a 23 point favorite that's uh, in this game. That's a, it started at 19 and a half and it's gone up. Uh, in, in one spot, I see 23 and a half. It's even gotten bet up to, which is a lot. Um, yeah, you know, I just don't – it's, again, a thing where you kind of have to extrapolate from what we've seen last, you know, on the field to now. Um, but I do think that Carolina has um, – you know, I think they have a better team. I think that their defense is going to be able to deal with what Syracuse is going to uh, present to them. And even if it's not 23 points, I think that North Carolina should probably win comfortably. It's yeah, and it's been interesting to watch the debate with Andre Cisco too, because that's been a guy that like, you know, the stats love Andre Cisco, and then people that you know the the football heads will tell you like, you know, because he's he got a lot of preseason All America love and all that other stuff, and I'm not saying he's not a good player, but like he got he gets burned more than people uh, may realize based on the stats he puts up. Um, I fully understand because we have a player like that (laughs) in Miami as well, but yeah. I wish we had a better way to to measure that stuff out, you know, for people that can't understandably watch every single game, every single second of every single game. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, no disrespect. I'm a DeVito fan as well. I don't think he's as bad as as he played last year, but we shall see. Uh, Tommy DeVito, a great Syracuse football quarterback name. Um, Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) Oh, so that's it. That's it. uh, Oh, by the way, I love diving into the ACC network commercials again last night. It was wonderful. Um, Oh, you I turned the, it over. The hurricane commercial during the Hurricanes game. Oh, I missed that one. I saw oh, I, yeah. Alien Tape and I saw um, Nuts.com. 
And then whatever that horrible peanut butter powder commercial was that made me, oh my God, that was upsetting to watch. Yeah. There there were a lot of things. Obviously, I used some of that time to to tweet and blog and everything. But yeah, no, it's a it's an ongoing experience uh, to witness what they do, uh, you know, advertisement wise on the ACC network. So, yeah, there were a lot of people. I mean, like, I think the first commercial was the hurricane. And everybody was just like, bro, like, I mean, how do we not have Brett Lashley <laughs> on there? Like, you know, like hey, yeah. with the hurricane, so we're going to help you walk faster. So, you know, get a hurricane, you know, it was just like, you know, things like that. So, uh, yeah. And that peanut butter powder, I had like, I kind of did a triple take when that one came on. Cause I was like, wait, 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 what? You know, but maybe I got to go back and rewatch it to kind of glean what they're talking about. When he poured that liquidy peanut butter on the pancakes at the end of the commercial, I screamed. I, it was horrible. I never want to. I'm going to. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I checked out because. Good. Yeah. Don't watch it. Look away. No, I got uh. I, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a uh, car wreck <laughs> on the freeway now. Like I oh. have, I have like morbid curiosity to see what you're talking about. Uh, well, you'll see it again. I'm sure. Cause Lord knows they, they cycle through those. Um, but uh, all right. Well, that gets us to Duke at Notre Dame. Oh boy. Um, I've said it before in this podcast. I love covering Duke football because I love David Cutcliffe and talking to him always. You always learn something. He's calling the plays this year. Um, that's a change. And he's, he's talked about it. He's been kind of frank about the fact that like, look, I'm doing this. I'm, you know, we're navigating COVID and he's been frank about the fact that it's been a lot. And he's also trying to break in a quarterback in Chase Bryce that, you know, he didn't have the luxury of integrating in the spring the way he would like. And, um, you know, trying to kind of crash course him through the offense. And it's not the easiest offense to to run, which is part of why Cutcliffe always has like a cor- the backup take plenty of snaps in games because, you know, it needs to get him some experience and get him ready. But eh, I, I, I want to Duke, man, they just I want to love them and think that they have a bounce back offensively. But I just don't really see how, especially losing their starting center was a big blow. Um, and they lost him and now they're at Notre Dame and I don't know how good Notre Dame's going to be, but I don't know that that really matters for Duke, honestly, in this, in the season opener. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I was going to say as well. You know, even with all those things, I would have, uh, you know, aired on the side of Notre Dame. Um, you know, I've been there uh, once when we played up there in 2016, when we were one of the four teams who found a way to lose to them. Um that year up in Notre Dame and everything. And, you know, I don't have any love loss for the university of Notre Dame. I don't have any love loss for their coach. Um, Oh no, he's who I think is a represent a reprehensible person for a variety of reasons, which I'm not going to detail here, but Hey, you, if you follow me on Twitter, you know what I'm talking about. And um, just Google him, you know, it'll come I mean, up. Yeah, just, just Google it. You know, <laughs> Brian Kelly, Declan Sullivan. Like, I mean, it's, it's bad. Right there. Bad. It's, it's very bad. Um, but you know, the Notre Dame football team, is vastly more talented. Uh, this is another game that's a 20 and a half point line in favor of Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, Chase Bryce is a obviously, you know, the Clemson transfer is going to start for Duke at quarterback, and that's going to be, you know, a good thing to see. And that's obviously going to be a talking point. Working with Cutcliffe, obviously, who's developed quarterbacks, like, you know, first round draft pick Daniel Jones, like the Manning brothers and things like that before him. Um, but, you know, that's a great piece of history. Uh, but I don't know <laughs> necessarily that that history is going to do too much for them on, uh, in this game or two, uh, two 30 on Saturday. So yeah, unfortunately it's going to be the fighting Irish from Notre Dame. 
Yeah, Duke, Duke, there's plenty of teams like this, but Duke's definitely one of those teams that could have benefited from having a little bit of a cushier start to the year. Um, and yeah, or yeah even, there's no easy game <laughs> this year. Like, you're deep no. in the ocean, figure out how to swim. Pretty much. And yeah, as much as I try to talk myself into Duke, and I do like their defense a lot. I think they have a lot of talent there. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And Cutcliffe's been excited about that defense. Um, it's so weird to say about Duke football to have a better defense than offense. That's something that like, if you told me a decade ago, I'd ever say that I would have laughed at you. And yet here we are. So <laughs> and that's without the, the rough kid. Is he playing this year or no? Uh, oh, God, I'm not sure. It's hard for me to keep track of all these opt outs. I know, right? Um, I think he is, but I'm not 100% on that. I, like I said, it's hard for me to. Okay. And I've, I've been trying to cram my vacation time in here lately, too. So. Yo, same. <laughs> what? People at the so secret like, day job were like, yo, we were worried about you. And I was like, I have until September 30th to use all this vacation. So I'm going to be missing a lot. <laughs> yeah, I've made multiple trips to Florida in the last few weeks. So. Uh, for oh, nice. my, my yeah, my husband's family lives down there, so we made the I ninety five drive a uh, couple times here in the okay. last yeah. But um, yeah. So I I feel like I I open Twitter when I'm on those vacations and like a million things have happened and I'm like oh okay, uh, oh yeah. But yeah. So I mean, and Notre Dame, I do I, I have laughed at Notre Dame. Um, that I think that their official Twitter account tweeted out um the ACC logo on the field and it was like feeling cute might delete later. I did laugh. I have to say nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of I'm enjoying sort of the weirdness of the fact that they're like ACC members this season. It's 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 kind of funny, um, but it yeah, it'll it'll be interesting because I know a lot of people think that they'll make the title game. I don't know that I'm so sure about that, but we'll see. You never know. Um, I know in some ways I think it would be a dream for uh, the ACC if that happened, but in other ways, uh, maybe not so much. Yeah. <laughs> maybe not so much because I know some of the coaches are kind of like yeah well I, but they're splitting their money you know that's fine it, as long as they're splitting their money it's all good I mean they're splitting it for the team for revenue year, yeah. from the home games yeah yeah well, that, well those are the only games that you would get revenue for anyway and right 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 okay yeah so yeah so you know you want to split your money it's fine that's it's all good yeah I guess uh, <laughs> I know. I had the same reaction at first. I was like, Notre Dame's doing what? Are you kidding me? But then it's and like, right. Did, <laughs> and how know, did yeah. Miami, or not Miami, excuse me, how did the ACC like leverage this, this situation? Like, you're already half in with the ACC. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just in so many different sports, you need us. So, like, you know, uh, yeah. let's, let's push this, you know, you know. Push the envelope and just say, hey, now this is the time that you need to be all in or all out. So I had that thought initially, too. And then I realized like, oh, right, we're in a global pandemic. So maybe the ACC thought it would not be the best look for us to be like, hey, I know we're in this global pandemic and all, but we're going to leverage our conference membership with you. Like Swafford can be cold blooded, but I don't know that he would be that cold blooded. Um, So, yeah, Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking about it in a vacuum and kind of disregarding the you know, major elephant in the room. But yeah, okay. I did the same thing because I was like, this is your moment. And then I'm like, oh, right. COVID-19. That's kind of. Yeah. <sighs> but uh, oh, no. This, is this a really a national game? Georgia Tech at FSU on ABC. Dear God. 3.30 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Jeff mm-hmm. Collins. No, no, no. Oh no! And again, like I was talking about how Miami was one of the teams to lose to four Notre Dame in 2016. Miami was one of what two teams 
three teams to lose to terrible, horrible, very good, no, or you know, very bad, no good Georgia Tech last year. So hey. Oh, I forgot about that. How did I forget that? I, I oh, don't man. know because because unlike me, you're not a Miami you know person, so it kind of escapes your purview. But then you know when everybody you know in that four and eight Notre Dame season wanted you know uh, jump on them for being four and eight. I had to sit idly by because you know, we were one of the four. And then same thing for last year with Georgia Tech. Like, oh, yeah, they were terrible. And they didn't beat anybody. It's just like, they beat us. Though. Oh, man. Yeah. So, so when I organized the league into tiers for my season preview, the I put Georgia, I put like Clemson in its own tier. I actually had Notre Dame in its own tier. And then I had like Carolina, Miami, Virginia Tech um, in their own. And then I had uh, Georgia Tech was in its own tier at the bottom. And I think that's going to be the case. Um, th- this is not going to be a, f- a quick rebuild in Atlanta. And, you know, there's going to be some bad teams in the ACC, but this is going to be a different level of bad. Mm. And I yeah, that's just not. I mean, so at least Florida State fans won't be too upset in week one, maybe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's that. But the one name that I will say is a bright spot for probably now and the future for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets is freshman running back Jameer Gibbs, um, who like went viral last year because he had a couple four hundred yard rushing games as a senior oh. in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they looked like it too. And there were a couple of games where, okay, like maybe he was playing three, a ball. And like, there were just some dudes on the field who like, are you know, they're going to go pro in something other than sports. And you could tell from even in their high school days. Uh, but no, he's like, he's very, very good. He was all American. He's a high four star running back recruit, uh, from the Atlanta area. And he ends up, uh, going to Georgia tech, um, because the university of Florida uh, you know, who I hate as well. They apparently decided that they did not want running backs in their last recruiting class. So like, you know, Jalen Knighton, who is a freshman breakout star for Miami, could have probably would have went there, but they didn't really push for him. Jameer Gibbs was like the Florida was the favorite for him for the longest time, but like they never gave him an offer. And so Jeff Collins was like, hey, yo, buddy, uh, right here, downtown Atlanta. Georgia Tech, like, we got snaps. Like, you are dynamic. We have the football, and we will give it to you. Uh, So, look for him to make some plays. I don't know if it's going to be enough for them to overcome everything that ails their program. But, again, Jameer Gibbs, J-M-Y-R Gibbs. uh, Learn the name. Remember the name. That kid is going to be very, very good uh, pretty, pretty soon for the Georgia Tech running back situation. Oh, that's great to know. That's okay. That's a reason to feel good. Even though I think I, I put this in my article that I wrote. It's on WRALsportsfan.com. By the way, I got to plug my own stuff more. I don't do that. But um, it's it's something where like that's he he he'll probably be good eventually. But Georgia Tech last year looked like a team that like watched an instructional video on how to run offense and then tried to do it for the first time like a YouTube and then was like like watched it like three times and then and then got out on the field and did it half the time that's like what it looked like it's just it was a mess uh, it's not an easy transition though so like it's nothing it's not on that staff we all know it's going to be a rebuild but right. um on the florida state side of things i, I just uh, um there's a lot to feel good about talent wise but my thing with them and i i ta- i think i've just talked to bud elliott too much about this um the offensive line the way jimbo left it it's it's all that's a, you know that's as long term a rebuild at least of that one unit in my opinion as Georgia Tech's rebuild you know mm-hmm, overall mm-hmm. like so yes they went from being like the worst offensive line in football to like not the worst last year but I don't know that the jump that they have is going to be enough 
um, this year for them to make like a significant leap, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think that, you know, Florida State's kind of a middling team. Um, they're like an average squad. Uh, they do have some bright spots. They have Marvin Wilson, a defensive tackle, who's a first-round draft pick. They got Joshua Kando, who's seven feet tall with a nine-foot wingspan at defensive end. Uh, you know, they got a couple other guys on defense who are very I talented. I love their defense, yeah. yeah I, I mean, they, there's talent there, for sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't necessarily love their offensive situation. Um, and especially with their offensive line, I mean, Miami, I think we just sacked James Blackman again from last year's game because they, oh, couldn't, God bless them. They couldn't stop us, you know, whether it was inside, outside, whatever. I mean, Gregory Russo had four sacks himself against Florida state last year. Um, just because they, I mean, and he was just all over the defensive line, like left end, right end, even played some three tech, uh, in defensive tackle because their guards, I don't know if their guards actually physically touched Gregory Russo in pass blocking situations last year. Like he was, I mean, like literally, I don't know that they touched him. That's how (laughs) bad it was. It's so Um, bad. You know, and that's going, and like we've seen again, centering myself and my team with Miami, you know, we've seen already last night when an offensive line situation is not great. It will, you know, detract from everything or anything that you try to do on offense. Uh, but even with that being the case, I think that Florida State is a more talented team. I think that they should be the better team. And even if they don't cover the 12 and a half, 13 points, I think that Florida State probably beats Georgia Tech this week. That's all it is, man. Okay. Yeah, opened at 11 and in most places it's 12 and a half or 13. That's kind of wild to me. I would I would bet on Florida State in that scenario. Maybe that's why I don't bet. Um, <laughs> yeah, like my I'm going to I'm going to like mark it down for myself. I would bet Syracuse to cover and I would bet on Florida State to cover. So we'll see how that works. <laughs> OK, yeah, we'll see how that works out for me. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Austin P at Pitt. Well, that is a game that's happening. OK, um, welcome this- back football. Right. This strikes me as one of those weird pit games where they could uh, they could do something weird here. Um, uh, probably not. Right. Probably not, I guess. But they could mess around and look like garbage, um, even if they win. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously like a thing that any team I think could do. But um, yeah, I just uh, don't. I mean, having watched that first awesome P game uh, or at least parts of it. Yeah, I just, they're not ready for prime time. Uh, yeah. so, uh, you know, Pittsburgh is a 27 and a half point favorite. Uh, so four touchdowns, basically. Um, it should be a cakewalk. Um, you know, even if they only, you know, run five plays and give it to their fast guys a couple of times in the same kind of action, whether that's a, you know, a streak route or a kind of a jet sweep where they find the sideline, turn it up the field, and they're just faster than everybody else. Um Pittsburgh's defense is going to, you know, they have that lunch pail mentality. So I think they're obviously going to play strong there as well. Um, But yeah, this one should not really be a contest for much more than a quarter. I don't think. I don't know. Pitt's one of the, yeah, it shouldn't be. Um, Pitt's one of those teams though, that you just, they could let Austin P go all the way down the field with like 200, you know, they could end up with like 200 penalty yards and, you know, hundred of which come in the secondary. You just never really know what's going to happen with Pitt. But I do, I still think their defense kind of turned a corner last year under Narduzzi finally. And, um, you know, that's going to be a big key to their season. I hate that. I, I mean, I get it, but with Twyman opting out, that's a big one for them, you know, more so yeah. than some other teams. I mean, Russo is significant for Miami, but they have some other pieces that obviously there's plenty to like there. Whereas with Pitt, I mean, they still have some nice pieces, but that's a big one for them. It's a little bit of a bigger loss. So we'll see. 
Um, I don't know, man. Pitt's just one of those teams that I always look at <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know what to do with you because you're so weird and you make no sense half the time. I still laugh at the fact that like, that like he never beat Larry Fedora. That's a wild thing to me. Al Golden never beat, um, who was it? Mike London at UVA. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I mean, we literally extended his career by two or three years when he was the head coach there. Weird things happen sometimes. Well, y'all were just playing the long game, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> not, not really. Oh, man. Oh, Mike London. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what to make a pit. They're, they're kind of a, one of those teams that I feel like is a reflection of their coach. And when I watch Narduzzi on the sideline, most of the time, I think he's kind of insane and unpredictable. And that's kind of how their team is. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know some people look at Pitt and they're like, watch out for Pitt. And I'm like, yeah, that works both ways, though. You know, it it does. It does. Yes, it is a double edged sword of watch out for Pitt. I don't think that we're going to get it on the bad side this week just because there is such a disparity of talent between them and and Austin P. But, yeah, there is the, you know, random game where it's just like, oh, Two-time defending national champions, Clemson. Cool. Yeah, we're just going to drop 55 on you in regulation and win. Cool. And then, like, score 17 at, you know, a moribund NC State the next week or something like that. Like, that's, yes. you know, the that's the dispar- disparity of Pitt, you know, that give it and take it away. Yeah, that's, that's like, they're probably the most coastal of all the coastal teams um, in a way. And, you know... In that way, I kind of appreciate that about them, but I also just wish I understood them more because I don't. Right. <laughs> and that's like every year, every single year. I mean, one, uh, God, one year. Yeah, they lost to Larry Fedora the same year they beat Clemson. Like, you, explain that to me. No one can. Um, <laughs> but uh, right, Speaking of Clemson, college game day in Winston-Salem for the first time without any fans allowed. My wake friends, I'm so sorry for y'all for that. Um, and, I, and they do, they do exist. I know, I know, uh, it's a small school y'all. I, I get it. I get it. The jokes are there and it's not the largest alumni fan base, but the ones I know are real and they love their, their deeks. And, uh, <laughs> I know they're sad that they don't get to be there for game day, but, um, it's still cool. Nonetheless, that they're, that they're coming to Winston-Salem and I, you know, wakes one of those teams for me too, that like, I'm just never going to completely count out in terms of having a solid year because I of that, how much respect I have for Dave Clawson. But obviously we know in this game, they're uh, in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. I mean, that is kind of unfortunate uh, that game days there uh, this week with no fans, because I mean, I, I remember when, you know, game day came to Miami. The times I was there in college, I remember when they finally came back again after not having been to Miami in, you know, a decade or decade and a half in 2017. Um, you know, but uh, you have at least hopefully they can record the show from home and uh, have the memories of that uh, and everything. And, you know, I'm with you where, you know, I do hold Dave Clawson in high regard because he is a very good coach and he has uh, built that program into a team that, you know, competes and that was not always the case with the Clem or with uh, Wake Forest. Uh yeah. is actually gonna see Wake Forest later this year. So I mean yeah, that's a, a program that's in a better spot than it had been previously and things like that. And you know, good on them for finally getting game day. You know, I hope that they enjoy that whole experience, uh, at least what they're able to watch and you know the stories of Wake Forest that are woven in through this, uh, the show and things like that. But Clemson's a five touchdown tip favorite and I would probably bet them to cover. Yeah, I would definitely err on that side if I had to pick one. Um, it's just 
sorry, sorry, Deeks. And you know, they'll fight, they'll figure something out, but I, I like Sam Hartman. I, I didn't think it was not that Jamie Newman isn't a loss, but like, I, I, I thought, I think Sam Hartman will be fine at quarterback. Sage Surratt's a big one though. Um, yeah. That's, that's a big loss. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got some other guys. They like at receiver and their offense has been, uh, all in all, pretty solid, uh, especially the last few years, to to really good at times. So I, I think they'll be okay there, but not not on Saturday night. Exactly. <laughs> oh, and then what do we have as the nightcap on the ACC network? Uh, when the Alien Tape commercial runs, it we will have Western Kentucky at Louisville. My first thought was Bobby Petrino, and then I was like, oh right, <laughs> he's not there. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Western Kentucky at Louisville. Sure. Um, Louisville is one of those teams that's gotten a little bit of buzz. And, and I, 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 I love Scott Satterfield. That's somebody I thought Carolina should have hired. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I've, you know, I think that the hire they made has worked out fine right now. <laughs> Mac Brown has made me eat my words on that a little bit. Um, but I still thought he was the better long-term hire um, for them because of his age and everything else. Um, and I have a, he's he's on the Clawson level for me in terms of I believe in what he can do as a coach. And so I maybe would give them a little bit more benefit of the doubt. But, you know, we talked about O-line questions and they've got some of those for sure. Yeah, I mean, when you lose Makai Becton at left tackle, who's a mountain of a man in the first round draft pick, um, there's going to be a void to fill, you know, for Louisville, obviously. And, yeah, Satterfield's a good coach. Uh, they run a dynamic offense. Uh, a guy who has been in my purview for a long time, obviously, since I lived down here in South Florida and I started as a recruiting blogger. So like, that's still a thing that I do. Uh, Tutu Atwell, uh, their wide receiver, who's dynamic, incredibly. He was a, a like a legendary high school quarterback at Miami Northwestern at five foot seven. Yes, he was probably one of the best high school quarterbacks you will have ever seen. Um but he's five foot seven, so Miami, you know, went in a different direction because he said he wanted to play quarterback, but then he goes to Louisville. He's playing wide receiver, and so anytime that he that Tutu Atwell makes a play, I have to hear about it, um, and that's going to be a lot because Tutu Atwell makes a lot of plays, yeah, he does. like an 80, 85 yard touchdown against Miami last year. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to like on the uh, offense. Javian Hawkins, uh, their running back, is pretty good. Uh, yep. And everything. So uh, that's, you know, nothing to sneeze at. Mikhail Cunningham is a dual threat quarterback. Then uh, they kind of settled on him uh, as their next quarterback uh, to, to run their offense and make it more dynamic. And that actually worked out really well for them. So, uh, you know, you have a couple other guys on offense as well. But yeah, again, and this is, I guess, been the theme of today's show. So this has been today's episode has been brought to you by offensive line problems, <laughs> you know, Miami and Florida state and now Louisville. I mean, they have them and they, they're going to need to find some answers and Western Kentucky, you know, they're going to be a tough squad. It's not going to be a cakewalk. Uh, and this line is only uh, Louisville minus 12. So within two touchdowns. So it should be a competitive game. I do think that Western Kentucky has the ceiling. If everything goes perfectly, to win this game. I just don't necessarily think that everything's going. I don't think that any team in week one is going to play a perfect game. And since I don't see that, I don't see them winning. Um, yeah. And it'll be a good test for Louisville to get some things set um, and preview to the remix that sets up next week's monumental matchup between one and Louisville hosting one and Miami on Friday night. Oh yeah. That'll be great. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I in doing some of these team previews. I was looking at some teams that return a lot on defense, um, on defenses that weren't very good. I, for me, I'm not a believer in that 
being bad necessarily. I don't know about you. Like for me, I think experience in college football is a good thing. Um, and like, yes, the, if the defense was bad, like that's not ideal. But I think you, there's more room for progress to me um, with a bad defense. That's not to say they're going to end up being like a dominant force. But like, I think that there's like when somebody's like, oh, they're returning all their starters, but the on a defense that went, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like you name off all the stats and it's like, yeah, but like guys can get better. <laughs> I mean, they can, but again, I think that this is the the in a vacuum conversation that we've been talking about with these other teams yeah. as well. Like, yeah, but also at some point people are who you like, who they show you that they are, you know, like you could miraculously get a lot better. Like, I think it's easier for defenses to get be- like defensive players to improve, for example, than it like it takes more time, in my opinion, to like develop an offensive lineman, right. than it does like cornerbacks and linebackers and the like. Yeah, but like some guys just don't get better. Some guys are who True. they are, you True. know. And in terms again of Miami, I've seen that over the course of time, you know, where guys are who they are, um, and that's it. You know, uh, there was maybe one um, instance that I can think of in terms of my team in Robert Knowles last year, who was a fifth-year senior who had been pretty terrible for four years uh, previous to that, and then last year was pretty decent, and that was like a godsend because wow. All right. You know, like, you know, we'll, we'll take that. But more often than not, no, like if you're going to not be great, then you're probably going to be not that great. Um, you know, moving forward. So I like, yeah, in a vacuum, like can guys get better and can things improve? Yes. But I, I haven't seen too, too much of that. Like guys were liabilities to my estimation, stay liabilities. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's probably fair. Um, it's just, you know, I don't know. Oh, experience is is a big thing in college football for sure. And, and you know, like Virginia Tech had its struggles last year defensively, for instance, but they had a lot of, to be fair, they're more talented. So I'm not, you know, that matters too, right? Um, but when you have a bunch of freshmen playing because of injuries and stuff, to me, that bodes pretty well for your defense um, the next year. But yeah, I mean, to, if you have like juniors and seniors out, or, you know, sophomores and juniors that are still bad at various positions, that's maybe not <laughs> the most ideal thing to be returning a bunch of those because yeah it's probably a clearer picture of just that's what they are at this point yeah it's probably a good point um i'll get you out of here in a sec but um i did want to just touch on this briefly with you because we've seen obviously conversations in college football surrounding racial justice and systematic inequality and police brutality and all that all off season and i feel like miami is one of those teams that i haven't heard as much about and i was curious sort of where they're at with that where manny diaz has been at with that and the team itself and and how that's kind of gone there Miami is a very eclectic city to begin with. So these are things that, uh, you know, are at the forefront kind of of our, our brain and they should be for everybody because, and if you don't know, I'm, I'm a black man. So like this affects me, you know what I mean? Uh, directly. Um, and it's a thing that I care about. It's a thing that I would hope that everyone cares about just to try to not have, uh, you know, just the, I mean, at, at a point, you know, just not having the police kill black people with impunity. Uh, but in terms of the program, you know, Miami or like the coaches and, and players seem to have the same sensibility. Um, after George Floyd died, uh, after the cop kneel- knelt on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds on video with him narrating his own death, um, the team went into the practice facility, socially distanced with masks, and they knelt for eight minutes and 46 seconds in silence. 
uh, in support of that and to kind of reflect for themselves. Um, you know, uh, Manny Diaz also went and had uh, with the team, uh, everybody get registered to vote, um, which is a big thing because franchisement matters because, you know, having a vote and having a voice in this country matters. So mm-hmm. uh, making sure that all of the players have that ability um, is key and crucial. So that was a move that was made forward. And then it's a, a point of conversation that is ever present around the program uh, with the coaches and the players. Uh, because again, this is something that is not new and it's not going to go away unless we have uh, voices and continue change or the continued push for change. And especially from, uh, you know, from white people, from those who are not the oppressed, but you know, those who are uh, in the majority, they're the ones who are going to have to help us in the minority to change things. And to that end, the team actually uh, entered the stadium yesterday wearing Black Lives Matters t-shirts. So uh, it's not a thing where Miami has been outwardly professing of uh, the mentality, but the actions have been there. And there's also been those, uh, you know, kind of passive statements of like, okay, we get off the bus and the first thing you see is everybody's wearing a BLM t-shirt. Boom. You know, so like it's not a thing that we're shying away from at all. Uh, it's a thing that, you know, the program and the university, the coaches and the players are fully uh, in with. It's not, uh, at least in my estimation, it, it is not um, it is not fake or faulty. It is not just kind of for show where they did it one time, because if it was just that, you know, the week after George Floyd died, when they went into the practice facility and they knelt there and they thought about it and things like that that would have been like the one time if it was a photo op or things like that but when asked about it manny diaz will always uh give a uh a thoughtful answer derrick king the quarterback the face of this program now for this year um he is spoken about uh you know the fight for racial justice uh in many times and again like i said you know the entire team the whole program like they went to the opening game wearing blm t-shirts black lives matter uh, and it's a thing that I believe is a thing that they believe in and are pushing for. So, uh, and with anybody around college, the world of college football who is doing something or raising their voice towards, uh, you know, fighting systemic oppression uh, and racial injustice and just the extra legal killings of black men um, or black people, I should say, because it's not just black men, uh, but the University of Miami Hurricanes are at the top of that list and they will continue to, it seems, they will, uh, that they're going to continue along that path. Uh, and I, for one, love to see it. Yeah, no, it's it's great to see that. And, you know, there have been so many players that have been, you know, outspoken and, and I'd love to see them use their voices and, and say what, you know, Marvin Wilson, what he did, um, you know, calling out sort of the coach and having that conversation, at, you know, at Florida State. And then, uh, you know, uh, Darian Renter at Clemson. I mean, even even uh, Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, like you said, you know, the people in white people have to step up and 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 have these conversations. And it's been really uplifting to see players use their voice in this way, and you know, even go back and forth with some fans that I think in the past they might have been a little more deferential to on social media, and just say like, "All right, you don't want to value me, then go away. I don't care about you." And I love to see that um, from these guys. You know, value me as a human or get out. And um, you, I love to see that because in so many cases, I'm sure they've been forced to sort of be deferential and be like, just not say anything or, or not rock the boat. And I love that they're speaking up and speaking out. It's been great. Um, right, totally. And, you know, it's, it's a thing where, you know, and obviously players have said it, you know, but like they're humans and the value that they have on this earth. And their humanity extends further than the football field, further than those three hours that you might watch them on a Saturday afternoon. 
you know, because they live in these places, you know, they go out in these places, they're still going to be black, you know, like even if they take off the, you know, Carolina blue or the Clemson orange or the Miami orange and green or whatever your team's favorite colors are, they still wear this black skin and they still have, you know, those battles that we all, and I say as a black man, because I face some of these things that we all face, you know, just because you want to root for them to go run fast and score a touchdown and everything. And that's great. And I hope that they run fast and score touchdowns if they're football players, but that's not the entirety of the value that they have in life and their humanity. And that's all that they're saying is that they, you know, want to be valued and things like that. Uh, and just equal, you know, and that's a thing that obviously, you know, people are are continuing to fight for and we'll see, uh, you know, as things go, but yeah, good on them for finally saying that, um, and saying it clearly, you know, like, yes, I get that you want to root for me on a Saturday afternoon, but what happens on a Tuesday at two o'clock when I get pulled over with no, uh, with no cause, you know, is that now all of a sudden, you know, you know, is that, is that, is that going to become a situation where I'm the next hashtag or things like that? I don't want that to happen, obviously. So, and I can only fight against that with your help. And I hope that, you know, that matters yeah. to people who, uh, you know, obviously watch these games and are listening to the show. Yeah, no, for sure. I was going to say, like, I was going to speak to people who might think a certain way. And I was like, I don't know if those people would still be listening to my show at this point because of all the conversations we've had about this. But no, like, if, they, they turned us off a know. while ago. If, if if you are, you know, contrast that with the fact that, like, you saw the Chiefs fans audibly boo a moment of unity <laughs> before right. the game started and then just continue to cheer on their team as if that wasn't like a ridiculous disconnect and, and showing a disrespect for the humanity of those guys. Um, right. And, uh, you know, we all it's it's such a baseline thing that's being asked for and demanded here. And, and we all need to step up and make that happen. So. Oh boy. Well, all right, Cam. Um, optimism about Miami football, albeit cautious. It's could be dangerous, could be fun. Um, I'll get you out of there, uh, out of here, out of there. <laughs> on that, it's always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, thanks for doing it. No problem. Always good to be here. I will talk to y'all next week after it's going to get good next week after kind of a meh week one. So uh, talk to y'all next week. Oh man, that's really sad. I'm going to have to watch it all by myself. Yeah, I'm going to go to the Great Wolf Lodge. What, the Great Wolf Lodge? Well, honey, we're not going to the Great Wolf Lodge for a little bit. Okay? Because of the virus? Yes, because of the virus. It closed it? Um, that's really not important. We're just not going because of the virus. But we'll go back someday. Why are going here? <laughs> okay. Well, this went well.